And a warm-hearted good morning. Welcome to our Brandpunt Studios, once again where we tackle relevant issues that affects our Christian world on a daily basis. The topic for discussion is all about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Is it part of the end-time prophecies or not? It seems that many Christian leaders are watching closely to find out. Some have made a leap of faith and claim God's prophecies is being fulfilled, while others have cautioned it is just too early to tell. In recent days, videos have popped up all over the internet, including on social media, the websites of evangelical Christian ministries and on Christian media outlets, citing passages from Ezekiel 38 and claiming that the end times are upon us. Christian Broadcasting Network, otherwise known as CBN founder Pat Robertson, made an unusual and unexpected appearance on the network's 700 Club program on Monday to talk about what he believes and why he believes the Russian-Ukraine war might fit into biblical end-time prophecy. In the nearly 18 minutes film, Robertson repeatedly quotes Ezekiel 38 and claim that, quote-unquote, God is getting ready to do something amazing that will be fulfilled. So what does Ezekiel 38 say? Brunpunt decided to investigate and spoke to a Christian and well-known Professor Dion Foster down in the Western Cape to find out where we stand with regards to biblical prophecy and real-time events happening in our world and what the Word of God has to say about it. Don't stray or go away. We'll be back with our respondent right after this. Well, as promised, we back with our respondent all the way down from the Western Cape, the beautiful Western Cape, I should add, the well-known Professor Dion Foster. Dion, just in a nutshell, as I always ask, just your background bio for those who haven't met you face-to-face and person-to-person. Very nice. Hi, and uh, thanks for having me on today and to our listeners. Uh, lovely to be with you. Yes, I'm uh, Dion Foster. I'm a professor of theology at the University of Stellenbosch. And uh, I specialize in a a field known as public theology uh, and ethics. And uh, I hold two doctorates, a doctorate in uh, systematic theology and a doctorate in biblical studies. Well, the right person to ask a lot of difficult questions with regards to what's happening in our world right now and how it ties in with the scriptures. John, it's been said that when America sneezes religiously, the whole world catches a cold. In this case, it's Russia who caused the whole world to be upside down. How does this affect us as Christians? Does it affect us in any way? What would you say? Yeah, of course. I mean, Vainant, you're absolutely right. The, the reach of American Christianity, mainly through the media, does affect the rest of the world. And of course, the, uh, the ways in which contemporary American evangelicalism and Russia have become intertwined, particularly through, um, you know, this whole period in which Donald Trump was president, has led to the, the development of a, a sort of political theology uh, that we would speak about this in, in, uh, in, in academic theology, a way of looking at the political systems of the world through the lenses of American evangelical Christianity. And of course, that reaches us because many of our members in Africa, certainly here in South Africa, subscribe to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, watch online cable TV networks. And uh, so when American... Uh, evangelicals begin to think about 
what their relationship is, particularly through Donald Trump and the Republican Party to, to Russia, uh, of course, that affects us. But I think there's a far more important thing to focus on, Vainant, um, and that, of course, is wherever there is war in the world, whether that's in Ukraine, which is very sad, or even, you know, here on our own continent, as Christians, we should be saying, what is our role as people who bend our knee to the Prince of Peace? What can we do to witness to peace and uh, to God's kingdom and reign on earth? Yeah, well, the Bible instructs us to be peacekeepers, peacemakers, but uh, sadly so with the Russian, uh, Russian-Ukrainian invasion, many believers, you know, grab for their Bible, and some believers even start quoting Ezekiel 38 and saying, well, this is the beginning of the end. World War Three is upon us. You better make it right with the Lord, because according to the Scriptures and Ezekiel 38, this is the beginning of the end. What is your understanding of it, and why do you think Christians, evangelicals, would quote Ezekiel 38? Yeah, so Vainan, you're absolutely right. I mean, when, when we try to make sense of the world, particularly those of us who are Christians and who take the Bible seriously, of course we're going to turn to the Scriptures to try and interpret the time to see, you know, might God be speaking to us uh, through through the Bible. Now, in the Bible, there's a particular category of, of literature. We know we've got literature like poetry, uh, Psalms is, is an example of that. We know we have wisdom literature, for example, Proverbs. Uh, there are Gospels in the New Testament, Good News. There's history. Um, and there's a particular series of books. Um, Ezekiel is, is one of them. Daniel is another. Uh, the book of Revelation in the New Testament, which is known as apocalyptic literature. And throughout history, uh, Jewish history and Christian history, there's been the sense that whenever there is, is upheaval or unrest or uncertainty in the world, people look towards seeing what might be going on in the spiritual realm. Now, this particular issue that comes from Ezekiel 38 is a very, very interesting and, and important one. Um, it's not the first time in history, by the way, that people have turned to Ezekiel 38 to say, see, this is a sign of the end of the times. And a lot of it goes around uh, the mention of two names. Uh, and it's disputed what they mean. Gog and Magog are the two who are mentioned in Ezekiel 38. But these are sort of typified in, in a lot of ap- apocalyptic literature. So we don't only see them in Ezekiel 38, but also in Revelations, in 1 Chronicles 5 verse 4. Uh, the prophet Joel speaks about them. They seem to typify what is anti-Israel, anti uh, the, the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, anti-God in that sense, because God is claimed to be on the side of Israel and the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. And then certainly in the New Testament, uh, anti-Christ or anti-Christianity. So they, they tend to sort of embody everything that, that people associate with a kind of of powerful evil that wants to destroy the people whom God loves. And so I think, you know, naturally, when, when people think about a nation like Ukraine, where 70% of the citizens are Christian, and certainly for us as South Africans, um, also for the Americans that we were talking about earlier, many of us know Ukrainian missionaries. Uh, it's been a very active ground for, for moving you know, from Western Christianity into that region known as the 1040 window, uh, the former sort of Soviet bloc where, where religion was banned. Ukraine was very fertile soil. So when we see 
a nation like Russia geopolitically invading the space, which of course is done for for complex reasons, not only religious reasons, or certainly I don't think that religious reasons are primary in Mr. Putin's mind, uh, people begin to ask, well, how do we interpret this? Could this be Gog and Magog uh, trying to invade this so-called Christian territory? Uh, is this the beginning of uh, a great world war? Uh, does it speak to us of, uh, you know, the beginning of this thousand-year war, which some Christians believe in, and ultimately the final judgment of God? So I think, Benham, just to say, that's the sort of background to, to, to this particular thing. But I would be very, very cautious of people who are making those kinds of claims. Dion, let me put it to you this way. You made mentions of Gog and Magog and Ezekiel 38. Why do people then believe that Russia could be the, the, the Gog or Magog that the scriptures refer to. What is your understanding? You, do, do you think there's a possibility? There's a saying that, uh, that says we watch the news to know what is happening in our world and we read the scriptures to find out why it's happening in our world. But can we tie the two together, Russia and Gog or Magog? What's your understanding? Bernard, I would be very cautious of making a sort of an uncritical link between Russia and uh, Gog and Magog. And, and simply, as I, I, I said um, a few minutes ago, the, the reason for that is that this is not the first time in history that people have made associations between totalitarian leaders or uh, nations which are invading other nations and this particular uh, narrative. I mean, throughout uh, history, uh, this has been a very sort of common um, uh, a theme that that has has come up most notably uh, it was during the Middle Ages that, uh, that this particular theme uh, came to the fore yeah. and of course you know a, a lot of it centers around European politics you know which nations we believe God favors and which nations we think are against God and and Vaynard, we have to be quite careful of that. You know, I, yeah. I, I would ask our listeners to say you know if when God looks at the world uh, when God looks at the whole of the world. Do we really think that God favors some nations more than others? I mean, think about what a nation is. A nation is a, is a, a sort of human political construction. Borders don't actually exist. I mean, borders are lines that we draw on maps and then people send tanks to defend them. Do we really think that those exist in the heart and mind of God? So I think we have to be careful of people who make uh, sort of uncritical links between what we read in Scripture, which in itself was a sort of spiritualizing, people trying to make sense of things they didn't quite understand and comprehend, and then just to uncritically draw that into contemporary history. I think that that may be dangerous. And in fact, the Scriptures warn us about this. They warn us to be careful of this. So I'm asking you these questions because some Christians are saying, and and, and I've heard Christians around me freely saying, well, this is the beginning of World War III. Can we, according to the Bible, have some idea of where we find ourselves on the prophecy timeline here in 2022? So, uh, Vainant, I would say, I would say anyone who claims to have, uh, you know, clear knowledge in that regard, you know, I would be very, very cautious of yeah. such a person. Um, you know, such prophecies need to be very carefully tested. Um, but, you know, the scriptures are clear. Matthew chapter 24, verses 35 and 36 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 36 says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
Matthew 25, verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. It says, But truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch, for you do not know the time or the hour. So there's a sense in which I think we need to be very, very, very cautious that we, 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 you know, obviously we need to be watchful. We need to be mindful. But my concern is that sometimes what happens when people get caught into this sort of kind of uh, prophetic uh, history making, what we do is we end up missing the other thing, which is right in front of our eyes, which in some senses is far more important. I don't think God cares quite as much about the unfolding of history as God cares about how are people suffering in the midst of the history we currently have. You know, it's so easy for us to be drawn into this hypothetical of where are we on a prophecy timeline? Is the, is the end coming near? We've heard thousands and thousands of times throughout history people have claimed that, and to miss the very real suffering of women and men in Ukraine at the moment. And to be saying, Lord, I don't know when you're coming back, but I want you to come back to a world where there is peace, where there is beauty, where people do not, you know, harm each other, where there is no brokenness. And so I'm going to pray for that. You know, my prayer, the Bible tells me, is powerful, it's effective for the achieving of good. So I want to pray for peace. I want to pray for the de-escalation of violence. I want to ask you to help these leaders and their armies to work for goodness, not not for evil. Yeah. So I, I, I would just be cautious, Raynant, that people get caught into a sort of prophetic strand. All right. So this whole notion of end times, this whole talk of end times and where we find us on the prophetic line, is this scriptural? Did the Lord Jesus uh, speak about the end times? Did some of the prophets of old use the terminology end times? And, and what does that mean? When is the actual end time? Did it start right after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, I will return the same way that I came in, in the last days? Or, or how are we to understand it? How are we to interpret scriptures when it comes to end times? Yeah, so very definitely, uh, as, as Christians and certainly those of us who adhere to the sort of orthodox biblical faith, there is a mention of the return of Christ in many, many instances. We do believe the Lord will return, that when he returns, yet I often tell my students, remember the day is coming. Uh, Revelation 21, we read about it. There will be no more tears, no more dying, no more death, no more sickness, no more racism, no more sexism. All of these things will be dead because the goodness of God's kingdom will be established. But I think this this sort of apocalyptic way of viewing the end times. Uh, you know, there are different views, pre-millenarianism, millenarianism, post-millenarianism. There's a lot of debate around that, you know, will there be a thousand years of peace? Will there be a thousand years of war? Will Jesus return at the beginning of that, at the end of that? We can't be sure because, you know, the Bible isn't as absolutely clear as we want. But there are some things that Jesus is clear of. Listen to this. Luke chapter 21, verses 8 and 9 says this. Jesus answered and said, see to it that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and rebellions, do not be alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is not Imminent. It's quite profound, Luke 21, 8 and 9. So as a lecturer of God's Word, somebody who studied God's Word intensely and, and uh, a lecturer of the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ, Dion, what would you say in your understanding is the next 
great defining moment, the next great event. I know we're talking about the rapture and the end times and the prophecy timeline, but what in your understanding would be a sign in this, the great next event to take place in this world? What would you say to Christians listening to you right now? Yeah, so I would say one of the one of the first big things, Vayner, that I would caution again is looking for that next big thing. I think the big thing has already happened, and that was the death the resurrection of Jesus. That is the big thing that has happened, and we are called to live under the power of the Holy Spirit, to be co-laborers with God in God's work for the establishment of God's kingdom. Go and read Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Um, You know, look earlier in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. What is the ministry that Christ has and that he calls us to? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to bring liberation to the captives. The big thing has already happened. And there's a sense in which I think, you know, we, we need to be constantly engaged in saying, Lord, I don't know when you're coming back. Um, I'm, I'm not on the, I'm not on the, the, the welcoming committee. Uh, for, for, you know, <laughs> I mean, sorry, I'm not on the planning committee for okay. your return. That's not my job. I'm on the welcoming committee. When you come back, I want to be engaged in the work that you left me to do. And that work is already around us. So, so my sense is to say we have enough work to do just in South Africa, but also across the world to pray for goodness, to love one another, to care for each other, to see that, that God's good creation is blessed. And, and I would just say, be careful that we don't get drawn into, into what I would call secondary issues, that we don't put them in front of the things. Because we may find that when Jesus returns, and you know, the sooner he returns, the better I long for his return. Yeah. But when he returns, he's disappointed and says, why were you so focused on trying to figure out all these things? Why weren't you doing the work I gave you to do? Yeah, yeah. In closing, Dion, what would you say to Christians listening to you right now? Because reality is on grass root level. What is happening in Russia, and it's truly turned into a global village. The world has become very small because if you look at the petrol price at the moment, uh, it, it's over $100 a, a, a barrel. And, and so it, to a certain extent, it does affect us. Some Christians walk around fearful in their hearts and saying, you know, if this could trigger World War Three, and what do I say to my children who have an expectancy, who, who's planning their future and what would you say to Christians? What is important right here, right now, in spite of what is happening in Russia, in, in, in Ukraine, and in spite of what's happening in the world around us? Your closing message to Christians listening to you right now. So this is actually where we need to return to Ezekiel 38. The whole core of the message of Ezekiel 38 is to say that when evil arises and tries to to cause fear in us, tries to rob us of God's goodness. Remember that God has not forsaken us. That's the message of Ezekiel 38, that God will stand up for those who are abused, for those whose uh, freedoms and liberties are taken, and that we do not need to live in fear. So that's the first thing. You can read Ezekiel 38, but remember it's about the promise of God, not about history. The second thing that I would say is remember that your prayer is powerful and effective. Be praying for peace. And whenever you have the opportunities to witness for peace, you know, one of my students asked me, I wonder what side South Africa will land on, Russia or Ukraine? And I said, my hope is that we'll land on the side of peace because we are people of the Prince of Peace. 
so pray for peace. Pray for President Putin and President Zelensky. Pray that they de-escalate the conflict. Pray that people are protected, that lives are not lost. Third thing that I would say is wherever you can see that the evil one is gaining a foothold, where he is sowing lies, where he's sowing fear, uh, be part of, of saying, no, the God whom we serve loves humanity, loves creation, wants us to stand on the side of justice and peace, and we need not fear. He has not left us or forsaken us. The words of Professor Dion Foster, all the way down from the Western Cape. Our Lord Jesus Christ in uh, John 16 and verse 33 said, Be of good cheer. I'm saying this to you so that in me you can have peace. In this world you will have many trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, Dion, bless your heart. Thank you so much for the always positive way in which you look at life and the things that happen to us uh, real time every day. May God bless you and thank you to, for speaking to us here at Brandpunt this morning. Thanks, Feynman, and blessings to our listeners.